When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Rob Tichkowski. I'm Jim Matheson. I'm Derek Van Deest. I'm Craig Ellingson. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. And we're talking about Ken Holland being named General Manager of the Edmondson Oilers. So, Ken Holland, General Manager of the Edmondson Oilers. The right move? The move fell into their laps. I think they interviewed 13 other people, and then Ken Holland fell into their laps. So they decided that those other people that they interviewed were, were uh, brought them a lot of opinions from the outside, but Ken Holland was clearly the most qualified general manager. And... and um, He's got the job, and I like his track record. And and I think, you know, their ageism is certainly part of of the picture with Euler fans, and who many of whom will not go past two thousand and six, and anybody um, past that is too old. And he's sixty three years old, and you know, as long as he, he's not skating out there. So I think he's 63-year-old can probably handle this char for the next five years. And he's got lots of his, his plate, but he's also won something. And one thing about him, he's got a plan, and that's always been the same plan in Detroit, um, to get draft as many good players as he can and then and get better. And I think that's what he'll try to do here. But you, uh, Jim Matheson, you were uh, you were thinking Keith Gretzky would have been a fine yeah, choice. I didn't know though. Ken Holland was going to be in the. Oh. N- none of us knew Ken Holland was in the picture. Okay, so, so I don't think Keith Gretzky w- would have been too happy if they'd hired somebody else who was an assistant general manager somewhere else over him. Mm-hmm. But clearly, the last name was an impediment, not a, a help to Keith with the fan base here for sure. The Gretzky name. Well, the the issue I have, like Ken Holland is a good hire, don't get me wrong, but the issue I have is this resembles a lot of what happened with Peter Shirelli. They, Peter Shirelli got let go of a position and the Oilers jumped on him right away and offered him the position. This is a similar thing. Ken Holland was never in the mix. He was never interviewed. He was never, I guess, given the survey that Bob Nicholson said he had given out to all the GMs and, and talked about the GMs. He became available because he was pushed out of a position and the Oilers jumped on him. It was the exact same thing that happened to Peter Shirelli. It didn't work out with Peter Shirelli. Shirelli had a great back record. He had, he had won a Stanley Cup. He had done great things with the Bruins. Holland has done great things with the, with, the, with the Red Wings, no doubt about that. But 
when you look at a person's resume, do you look at the resume as what have you done lately or what have you done 25 years ago? Um, and I think that's one of the things that the Oilers looked at. They were The whole process was supposed to be, we're going to go out, we're going to interview everyone, we're going to get the best person available. Per, Colin could still be the best person available, but I don't believe he was asked the same questions, he was interviewed the same way as the other candidates was. He was offered the position right away, and I think that was the mistake that Bob Nicholson clearly admitted he made with Peter Chiarelli the last time around, and he went and did the exact same thing with Ken Holland. Now, Ken Holland could be the, the answer. He, he's a very smart guy, very articulate, and what I like about Ken Holland is he is not afraid to surround himself with people that he thinks are smarter than him. That makes him look good. There's a lot of general managers here, and the last one could be included, that didn't like not being the smartest guy in the room or didn't like not being perceived as the smartest guy in the room. And there's, a, and there's some examples of that in the Oilers in their history. That's the reason Ralph Kruger's not here anymore. Ken Holland's not afraid to bring in someone smarter than he is. He's not afraid to ask the opinion of someone that who thinks is smarter and surround himself with good people. That's a positive. But that's the only concern I have about this hire is that you said you were going to go through a process and at the end, you took all that work, all that work, and you threw it away because this guy became available when, when another team let him go. That's my only concern. I, I, I think he's a good candidate. I think if, if you're going to, if you have to hire a guy on his resume, then his resume stands. Uh, it's strong enough that he, he could get that job. But everybody's going to be critical of who they get, no matter what, whether it's Gillis, you know, there's going to, you're going to find faults in him, whether it's McCrimmon, who was never coming here. Uh, you're going to find faults in that. You're going to find faults in Holland. You're going to find faults in Gretzky. Fact is, we don't know if it's going to work or not. We've seen, you know, five, four GMs and nine coaches try at this thing and fail because of the structural, you know, structural failings. And now we have a guy who's demanded total autonomy, who's coming in and saying that he's going to fix those structural issues. So that's, that's been the heart of the problem for years. It, it, it's, it's not the GM, it's not the coaches, it's everything else that makes the Edmonton Oilers what they are. And he has vowed to come in here and said he wasn't going to come in here without having the power to do it, and, and he's going to do it. So, you know, he's, he's a smart guy. He didn't get dumb in the last five or six years. It's just that sometimes that's the circle of life. You have a team that's at the top for a long time, and then those players get old, and they retire, and they make a lot of money, and, and they kind of drag the thing down, but out of loyalty you stick with them and that's kind of where they are now. You know, the way he pointed out, he didn't leave the wings in too bad a situation. You know, they have 20 million in cap space this year, another 15 million opening up next year. They have 14 picks in the first three rounds of the draft over the next three years. So Steve Eiserman's walking into a pretty good situation there. You know, there's some work to do in Detroit as well, but you know, Holland's a smart guy. And like I said, nobody's perfect. And if you're going to give a guy a shot, then, for my money, Holland's as good as you can get out there. And the owners at the end of the day, I mean, if you roll the dice with a rookie general manager, I mean, considering who is in there in the in the owners executive structure, um, you're not going to no rookie GM is going to come in here and and get that full autonomy, are they? Well, whether you're Keith Gretzky, whether you're Pat yeah. Verbeek. Anybody who's, or Mark Hunter, even Kelly McCrimmon, that would always hang over their heads. And, you know, unless one of those guys came in here and said, yep, I've got full autonomy, which would be shocking. And I don't think anybody would believe that. But with Ken Holland, 
I, I, I believe it. Well, I, I think you could give it to a younger guy and he might be scared to use it. That's another thing. Is Keith Gretzky going to come in here and, 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 and clean house? Holland's a different guy. He's been around forever. He's got the respect of everybody. And he even said yesterday, like it was, wasn't even prompted, like nobody's going to influence me. And that's a, that's a huge thing for somebody to say. Like at this point, it's almost irrelevant if they keep Gretzky and coffee and those guys around because you've got Holland saying, you know, doesn't matter who they keep around. I'm, I'm the guy making the decisions. I'm the guy making the call. Nobody's going to influence me. And I believe it because he's got the experience and the confidence to, to back that up. He, somebody's whispering over his shoulder. That's their problem. He, Ken Holland's going to do what he's going to do. So I think total autonomy only is real if you have somebody who isn't afraid to wield it. And I think they have the right guy from that perspective. Well, I think what the interesting thing he said yesterday, he, he did say that you're right. He wasn't going to get influenced by those guys. And he did. Go out of his way to say the ex-Oilers. Yeah. He's not going to get, he wasn't tippy-toeing around. No. Those ex-Oilers aren't going to influence me. And he also said, it's time to make new memories. You know, you can't, you can only live in the past for so long, which I thought was a great quote. He's like, yeah, it's time to move on. Let's make some new memories. We can't keep living in the past, which is a lot of people have been screaming for this organization. Hey, let's move on from the 1980s. Let's move on from that team. Let's move on from the glory years because they haven't done anything since the glory years. And I think, Ken Holland understands that. He says, yes, I don't know those years. I have no connection with those glory days. I have no connection with those Oilers. We're going to try and make new memories. So people have something else to celebrate other than the 30th anniversary of the last Stanley Cup. So I think that was to, to a lot of people there, okay, that was a nine opener saying, okay, he's not going to be influenced. He's not going to be, someone's not going to tell him, hey, you know, this guy said this and they should do this. And I think that hindered, a lot of GMs in the past and, and their decision-making abilities and even Peter Chiarelli to an extent. Um, but you're right. When he comes in and says that I got full autonomy here and I have, you know, I have total respect for those guys, but I'm not listening to them. The only right. caveat is he had f- full autonomy in Detroit, except with the owner, Mike Illich, who always wanted him to make the playoffs, even though Ken towards the end was saying, we got to rebuild. And the owner said, no, 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 no. We got seats to fill and we're going to a new rink. Come on. So you're sticking with this. And there is an owner here, Daryl Cates, that he would, he, even though he says he's got full autonomy, Daryl Cates is the owner. And if Daryl Cates t- says a few things, well, we'll see. So that's the only caveat. Yeah. I think you give him five years, 25 mil, you're, Seriously, <laughs> it's your ship, buddy. <laughs> Look after it. Was it was funny though? Like it was really unsolicited. Like Cook, I think it was Adam Cook saying, you know, there's. I think he worded it as their prominent figures from the past are kind of around this organization. He was, and he's like, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. All the ex Oilers, like they're not going <laughs> to influence me. And I was, it's like, holy wow! Like nobody comes out and, and volunteers that, but uh, like he knows the landscape. He's looked into it. He's heard the rumors, like everybody else has. And uh, true or not. I, it doesn't matter anymore because I honestly believe him when he says it's going to have no influence on him whatsoever. It's like an ex-Oiler going to Detroit and being worried about what, you know, all the ex-Wings think about you. It's it's not an issue. You know, and there's been, uh, you know, obviously people look at Holland's record as GM of the of the Red Wings. And he's been with that organization since he was a player. I think he ended his career mm-hmm. in the, with the Adirondack team in the AHL. And then he moved into scouting and obviously become AGM at some point in the 90s, and he succeeded Jimmy DeVolano. Yeah. But his um, his trajectory with the Red Wings, I mean, he when he became GM, uh, what, 1997, I mean, the Red Wings were Stanley Cup champs that year, I believe. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and Jimmy Devilano was was you know senior VP. But you know, Holland was a rookie GM then, even though he's obviously been at the organization for a number of years by that point. Um, when Stevie Y comes back to the wings this time around, Stevie Y is not a rookie GM at all. He is a seasoned executive and general manager for the Lightning, who are were the best team in the regular season this past season. You know, and obviously he wasn't the general manager, but you know, in large part, the Tampa Bay success, you know, comes from Steve Eiserman guiding that team. So when you're Kenny Holland, you know, now you're senior VP, but you know, you don't need to necessarily to be there to help out Steve guide this team anymore. Because I can't help but think that, and you guys would know better than me, that Jimmy Devilano behind the scenes as the senior VP is, and everybody's involved in hockey decisions, especially when you're, you know, you have a setup like the Red Wings do. Yeah, well, it's a, it's an old it's an old boys club over there too. Yeah, but it works right. Like the teams that win have old boys clubs. <laughs> yeah. You ever notice that the teams that uh, don't win much, there's no uh, there's no looking at them. Says, what come these guys are hanging around? Yeah. Well, Every team's an old boys, and like Neely's in Boston. And when it works, it's fine. But when it doesn't work, you can't be afraid to clean clean th- clean things up a little bit. And that's the issue here is like they've they've locked into something that just hasn't been working structurally for a long time. So. You know, they have a pretty good – I mean, this guy started out as a goalie coach and then he's a GM for 22 years. And, you know, Steve Eisenman went and groomed himself somewhere else. And, and when he comes back, nobody's saying, you know, he's coming here because he's a former wing. He's coming here because he built a fantastic situation in, in Tampa Bay. So, you know, there's a right way to do things and there's a, there's a, there are other ways to do things. And I think Holland knows from experience and – I like the way he said that he's learned from the mistakes he's made too. Like people are pointing out, well, you know, you did this and you did this. Like you know, he's the only general manager in the world who's overpaid on occasion. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You know, show me the guy that in 22 years of running a, a National Hockey League team hasn't made a few mistakes. And there, there isn't. Like everybody screws up. Everybody overpays. Everybody misses on a draft. It happens. But is your overall track record better than, you know, are your goods better than your bad? And I think he's got a lot in the good column. Yeah, I mean, there is the what have you done for me lately side of things too. I mean, mm-hmm. the Wings last, last won the Cup in 2008. They lost in, to Pittsburgh in 2009. That's 10 years ago. Obviously, the Red Wings, as they, we all they know. they kept making the playoffs. Even I mean, they're though, not in the playoffs right now. No, but, but they kept making the playoffs for another five, six years sure. before they suddenly stopped making the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it's not like the f- bottom fell out like it is in Edmonton every yeah. year where they're missing the playoffs. No. That's a circle of light. Every team from the Islanders to the Oilers to every team that's ever had a long run of success when their old guys get a little bit over the hill and you still want to maintain your loyalty and they're making the big contracts because they've earned it over the years when they were winning cups your your organization gets dragged down a little bit but you know that's the way that's the way it goes and this is also a team that hasn't won a lot of draft lotteries uh, if you'll go through the record like you know they never almost never pick in the top 10 and they still managed to you know have some people coming down the pipeline so you know, I mean, the last few years in Detroit haven't been haven't been great, but it's not a it's, their situation is better than this one. Yeah, I guess what I'm getting at though is there a danger that Holland is yesterday's man? Well, uh, yeah, there is. Except that would anybody they have hired be today's man? What have they done? Every anybody they would have hired, if it had been McCrimmon or or Mark Hunter or you know, anybody else who was in the Bill Zito or whatever, like, okay, you work for a fairly successful organization, but have you worked for an organization that won? No. So 
you know, it's a, they're still t- taking a gamble on any assistant general manager, too. If it's Hunter, we'd be sitting here dissecting his record saying, yeah, what'd you do in Detroit you, or Toronto? You missed on this guy, you missed on that guy, and how much of a role did you actually play in it? If it's McCrimmon, we're saying, you know, well, sure, you picked a good team. You got to choose from, you know, every team in the league and hold some of those organizations hostage so you wouldn't take other situations. You know, how are you going to fix what's going on at Edmonton? If it's Gillis, like, so who cares if you went on a world tour interviewing other people on how to be a better GM? You know, how did things end up for you in Vancouver? Like, everybody has faults. Everybody has flaws. So it's, it's, it's an imperfect science. You just get a smart guy. And he's 63 going on about 45. Like that dude has a lot of energy and, and spunk still. Like he's, he's no 63 year old that I've ever seen. So from the age standpoint, that doesn't concern me at all. Some people are old at 50. Some people are, are not. Uh, and he's a smart guy who's well-respected in the league. And that counts for something. When Ken Holland phones you, you, you pick up the phone and listen. So, and if you know, and it's, you, you, you might want to recreate a situation here where people might want to come back to this organization and be a part of it in a management standpoint, you know, you're going to work with Holland who's going to be here for a while. You know, the coach isn't going to get fired. You know, Holland is preaches stability. So he's not going to bring in a coach and then, you know, a year and a half from now have another one. I think things are going to settle down and I think he's going to surround himself with smart people. And I think it's, that's the platform that the Oilers need to sort of head back in the right direction. However long that's, that's going to take. I think that's the big thing with Holland is it, He's very loyal, sometimes almost loyal to a fault, um, because people, they've been loyal to him. I think the Red Wings were very loyal to him, and he, want, and he wanted to repay that. Um, he got the manager job at 42. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. been in this in this industry a long time, and I, 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 I don't recall anyone saying, well, he's only 42, and what has he done type thing when he got the manager. And he just took that ball, and he ran with it. He did have a Stanley Cup championship team to work with, he had some Hall of Famers on that team to work with, and he did run with that for for a few for a number of years. But um, he is a very smart hockey guy, and he's very well connected. Probably the most well connected hockey guy in the NHL. And I think that was one thing that really appealed to Bob Nicholson. Is the mm-hmm. fact you're right. If Ken Holland calls you, if, if there's my cell phone and it's Ken Holland, you're picking it up. I don't care who you are or where in the world you are, you're picking up that phone call. And then I think that's that that goes a long way. I think to 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 building that foundation because it does. I think he does have to start and build that foundation and build that structure and 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 create a winning culture. I know everyone talks about winning culture, winning culture, but how do you do that? You do it with not firing your coach every year and a half. You do that with bringing in a coach. You know he hasn't fired Jeff Blashill in four years. There, Blashill. He missed the playoffs three of those four years, and he's still there, and he's still convinced that this is my guy. He can do it. I have confidence in him. And when you work for someone like that, when you work for someone like that and not having to look over your shoulder and wondering if you're going to be here next year, I think it, it goes a long way to creating that winning culture. Yeah. And he, uh, he he pointed out some interesting you know, facts that they were the last team in the post-salary cap era to miss the playoffs. Like, you know, the people say, you know, he won a bunch of cups when prior to the cap when they had a – big advantage where they could outspend everybody sure but like they were the only team that was spending way more than everybody else like new york and and st louis at the time there were a lot of teams blowing the bank trying to buy a championship and couldn't get it done and and you know so he he succeeded in that area era and then when the cap came in he said he had to get from like 80 to 40 which was you know a, a massive rollback and and still managed to have success and roll that for for years into the post cap era so i mean he's you know, I don't dismiss 
for people to just simply dismiss the championships he won because they had a lot of money is is a bit foolish. Now he has to find a coach, though. That well, I was going to say, my last question to you guys is: Are you surprised he came out in the press conference and immediately dismissed the idea of Ken Hitchcock returning as head coach? Well, there's a guy who's like right off the bat, like status quo or or the way things have been done here, the way things would typically expect to be done in Edmonton. You know, here's the Edmonton guy comes back to Edmonton. It's a feel good story. Ken Hitchcock wants the other. Sorry, no, we're getting a new coach. And that's, you know, whether you like Hitch or not, and I do, I think he's a decent enough coach. For Holland to come in here and 15 minutes after being hired saying, sorry, the Edmonton guy's out, that's that speaks a little bit too. Well, he could have, like a lot of general managers, say, well, he's the coach for now, but yeah. we'll see what happens. It, meanwhile, behind his back, he's talking to all sorts of other people, or and it comes out that he's talking to all these other people. It's just easier to... You know, say, okay, I'm, I'm, by the way, we're uh, not going to bring Ken back as coach. We're looking for somebody else. And I mean, he's refreshing. You can even ask him about a coach on another team. And most GMs would say, oh, mm-hmm. I can't talk about, you know, Todd Nelson. He works for Dallas, but he was more than willing to say what he liked about Todd Nelson. Yeah, that's, and I think, yeah, that was, that was also kind of a bit surprising. He said, yeah. oh, by the way, Ken Hitchcock's not going to be my coach. And I think, <laughs> It's it's the band aid approach. Just rip it off. Like yeah. he's not he's not tipping. like most other GMs would have come in here and said, "Well, we're going to evaluate what Take Ken did, and we're going to have a look at him." And no, he has in his mind who he wants to coach his hockey team, and he yeah. said Ken Hitchcock's not the guy, and he's he's up front. And I think that's the the beauty of Ken Holland is that he's he's a confident guy, and he's not afraid to tell you his opinion. And whether you like it or not, this is how he thinks, and this is the way he's going to do things. And and you have to respect the guy for that. You have to respect the guy for saying, no, this is this is the way it's going to be. This is what we're going to do. Now, the coaching search, I don't know how much of a search it is. I'm pretty sure he has a guy in mind, and I'm pretty sure he's not yeah. going to go out there interviewing 40 guys. I, he has his guy. He's going to go get his guy, and if his guy's not available, he's going to go get the number two guy on his list. But I'm positive he already knows who he wants to coach his hockey team. Yeah. And uh, without me even looking at the Oilers roster, he knows who his, his coach Who was. do you think it's going to be? I think it'll be it'll be Dave Tippett or Todd Nelson. Yeah, I, I think Tippett yeah. over Nelson. I, I like Todd Nelson, and Todd Nelson did great things here when he was here. Um, but if I'm Todd Nelson, it's once bitten, twice shy with him, I think. Because I, I don't think he was very happy with the way the organization treated him. He came in here to a very tough situation. He made really good with a bad situation. And then they just, okay, see you later. And then we'll bring in someone else in, I think. So, yeah, I think, taught, if anything, Nelson would have some reservations coming in here. And you also have to wonder how far the pecking order is he in Dallas, how close is he in Dallas. And you look at that roster now with Dallas, there were, an overtime goal away from being a Western Conference final team. So the Dallas Stars are a little further ahead, obviously, than the Edmonton Oilers are. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think you get a guy like Dave Tippett, who's a, a very smart hockey guy, who's a guy that you know the Oilers probably should have looked at a long time ago that they didn't. Um, and he's a guy with a track record. And, and everyone says, well, he's a defensive coach. He's a defensive. Well, he plays to his strengths. And I think that's the thing that impresses me about coaches. I don't like when coaches come in here and say, we're going to be the fittest team in the NHL. We're going to play this certain style. We're going to do this. And and my question is, well, you need the players to play that style. The good coaches look at their roster and say, okay, I'm going to develop a style for the roster I have. And that's what 
uh, Ralph Kruger did and that the Oilers didn't like because he saw his roster. He says, well, we're not going to play run and gun with this team. We have to play a certain style. And I think that's the big thing when you hire a coach. And Ken Holland knows that. I think he knows that. And you're right. I think Dave Tippett would be a, 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 a very good coach for this hockey club. Yeah. I think you'll have a lot of coaches lining up to take this job because his big thing is stability and he's been preaching it. And after nine coaches in 10 years, you know that if you get hired, you're going to get a good three years to, to get your message across and get your, get your situation in order. It's not going to be a revolving door anymore. So as much as there's zero job security in the coaching industry, I think if you come here right now, there'll be some pretty decent job security. You'll get a few years because the last thing he wants to do is hire the 10th and 11th coach in, in 12 years. So, you know, I, I trust him. I think I, you know, he, he kind of knows what the roster is like. He hasn't really poured over it to any great extent, but you know, you know, you know, basically what you've got here. He's <laughs> talked to Ken, he's <laughs> talked to Hitchcock. Right. I guarantee you he's talked to Hitchcock and says, okay, what's my the roster? What do you think? Like who can play and who can't play? And I'm sure Ken has told him, he says, your star players are no problem. It's some of the players down the roster that are, are high maintenance, unlike most rosters, where the bottom six guys are just glad to be in the team and you have to sometimes coddle the stars. I don't think you have to coddle the stars in Edmonton. And and he's looked at the roster and I'm sure Ken has said, he says, oh, we have no NHL bottom six, hardly any NHL bottom six forwards. And we got to go and get some this summer. Yeah, that's probably a conversation for another day who is how does holland remake this roster but we've been talking about that for a while that, that's the hardest part of this yeah. whole thing is actually fixing the team <laughs> <laughs> but my, you know i mean obviously there's gonna be some changes in the staff too i mean we talk about keith gretzky whether or not he's gonna be retained or wants to stay with the organization as the assistant general manager or who knows what I mean, he wants you to stay with the organization. Yeah, I mean, Ken Holland will want to bring some of his own GM. You, you, you go back to being an assistant GM in charge of the amateur scouting or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Like, you know, what staff from Detroit can we expect to come here? I don't know. Well, they can't come unless they're offering him a raise or offering him a different job. It's better than the one they got. So, I'd see that. Tampa to keep all their players, they must have 63 assistant general managers because they to keep their people, they gave them all titles as assistant general managers <laughs> in charge of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know what? The one guy I'd like to see come here is Sean Horkoff, to be honest with you, because I, I know Sean Horkoff took a lot of heat when he played here. None of it was his fault because he got a ridiculous contract and was he going to say, no, no, I'm not worth that kind of money? Like I never blame Sean Horkoff for the contract he signed because it was the contract that was put in front of him. And it's like, you want to pay me how much? Yeah, sure. Where do I sign? It'd be the same. I'd do the same thing. It would do the same thing. But in dealing with Sean Horkoff and talking to Sean Horkoff when he was here as the Edmonton Oilers, you always knew Sean Horkoff had a future as an executive in the NHL. You just got that sense because he was a very, very smart guy. He was, you know, we ran the PA, he was head of the PA when, when they were having the labor problems, we talked to him and, and he was just smart and articulate and he knew the game. And I think you could just sense that this is a guy that has a bright, bright future. One day, Sean Horkoff is going to be a general manager of an NHL team. What NHL team? You don't know, but he's got that connection here at Edmonton and he's obviously working for Detroit. And I think this is, if I was Ken Holland, this is one guy I would try to pry out of Detroit. Now, I don't know how big Detroit is on him right now, but in saying that, I'm pretty sure Ken Hall has a right-hand man that he's going to bring in. And I don't know where that leaves Keith Gretzky. I don't know what his relationship is with Keith Gretzky. And he had just said 
that those guys don't influence me. So it's tough to say, okay, Ken Holland, you have total autonomy. Do whatever you want. By the way, you have to keep Keith Gretzky. You have to keep Ken Hitchcock. That's not total autonomy, is it? So I'd be very interesting to see who who Holland comes in and brings in here to be his right-hand man. I'm not convinced that's going, that's going to be Keith Gretzky. Keith Gretzky is a very smart guy. He's done a very good job. He did a very good job in a tough situation. The Oilers have obviously drafted well in the last couple of years. He's played a part in that. So I think there is spot for him in this organization. But where it is, that's going to be it's going to be a difficult decision, I think, for Ken Holland. Yeah, he's promised to look at the entire structure of the team. So I mean, and that's that's part of it, and that's the part that people have been waiting for for a long time. It's not uh, do we need a new coach? It's not do you need a new general manager? It's all the other stuff. It's the you know it's the pro scouting, it's the player development, it's player personnel, it's that it's that whole area that is you know the kind of the underlying rot of this organization, and that's the thing that he said, you know, we're going to have a plan going forward and I'm going to spend the next couple of months figuring out who's going to be part of that plan. So, you know, it's, uh, it'll be an interesting, it'll be interesting time ahead. How soon do we uh, get a new coach here? I don't Does it matter? doesn't matter. They always say like a coach at the draft. What for? You know, I mean, you, you need a coach before free agency because the free agent wants to know who the coach is. Yeah. You don't need a coach to draft. I mean, all he does is shake the hands of the guys they've been drafting anyway. He takes a look at them and says, how many years am I going to be seeing you and my team? I mean, unless they're picking where the orders usually pick, and you, I'll see you in the fall. But usually you don't need a coach. Till, you need a coach, I guess, shortly after the draft before free agency. So I said before July 1. So they usually try to get a coach for the draft, so there's a guy in place for – or free agency. We're only a month and a half away then from coach being here. Well, he said that was his number one priority. Yeah. That's the deal. My number one. Said, what the, what's the first thing you have to do is get a coach. And I think it's also important because you have three assistants who are kind of waiting in the wings, wondering what's going on. Right? Like It's not fair to them. If you're not going to keep them, it's not fair to them to just wait. Oh, we got to have to see. We're going to wait for the, if the head coach wants you. Like you have three guys here or four guys, whatever it is on the staff, it's almost too late to get other jobs in the NHL right now. Like if they would have been better off getting fired at the end of the year because then you could go and look for other positions. Now you're going into June where most of the staffs have been filled out. So now you're going to bring in a coach that says, you know what, I don't want Glenn Gullickson as my assistant. I don't want this guy as my goaltending coach. I don't. That's really tough on the assistant coaches. So I think you have to get a guy in here quickly because if you're not going to use the same assistant coaches, then you have to give them an opportunity to go find jobs somewhere else. Well, I would suggest that if Dave Tippett is the coach, he might look at Sean Burke and say, do you want to be a pro scout or do you want to be the goalie coach? You know, he was a goalie coach when he was in in Arizona, and that's he's the one that helped Devin Dubnik, if I'm not mistaken. And that's not to take anything away from Dustin Shorts, and he's Dustin's taken an awful lot of heat for Koskin, and you know that he's not the goalie they, you know, he should be. But that's on the GM for deciding that he was the goalie youth more so, and then having to remake a guy who hasn't been in the NHL for seven years, and then get him to be able to play in the NHL when he's been over in Europe for seven years.
That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. Subscribe to Oil Spills on iTunes and Google Play. You can also listen to it via the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun apps and websites. Mm-hmm.